days to sin no more. Wouldn't it be good one day when we get to heaven, we can sin no more. I get so sick of me. I know you get sick of me, but I know I get sick of me. And, and I tell you, one day, one day we'll have victory. Amen. Now, we don't want to sin, but we do. And, uh, boy, I just can't imagine to be to a place where there's no more sin. I've never been there to such a place, but, boy, I tell you, looking forward to it. I want to preach this morning out of Leviticus chapter 6, and we're beginning in verse 8. We've preached some of this some already, uh, but not what I'm about to preach here today. But uh, I want to preach on a subject, uh, help wanted. We need priest. And so if you'd like to be a priest tonight or today, you let me know, and we'll show you how to become one. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. Priest wanted. I went to a place yesterday to get something to eat, and it said cashier wanted. Went to other place, and it said stalker wanted. And I thought about, well, priest wanted. Amen? Here in chapter 6 of Leviticus, and we'll begin reading in verse 8. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Command Aaron and his son, saying, This is the law of the burnt offering. It is the burnt offering because of the, because of the burning upon the altar all night unto the morning, and the fire of the altar shall be burning in it. And the priest shall put on his linen garment, and his linen breeches shall he put upon his flesh to take up the ashes which the fire hath consumed with the burnt offering on the altar, and he shall put them beside the altar. And he shall put off his garments and put on other garments and carry forth the ashes without the camp unto a clean place. And the fire upon the altar shall be burning in it, and it shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offering in order upon it. And he shall burn thereon the fat of the peace offerings. The fire shall ever be burning upon the altar. It shall never go out. Father, we come to you in the most precious and the most glorious and the most gracious name, Lord, that man has ever mentioned or ever spoke. That name is Jesus this morning. Father, that name where every demon must obey and every wave and every storm and, every, and all water, dear God, uh, must agree. And God, we pray now, Lord, that you lead and you guide here this service. I pray that you'd hide me behind the cross. Pray, God, you'd use me for the glory of God. I know that I'm unworthy. God, I'm unable, Lord. I, I'm not the qualified one to preach. I'm not the one this morning, God, to, to meet this high task of, of preaching the Word of God. But with your help today, Lord, we might be able to do it. And I pray, God, that you give us that strength. God, give us the wisdom we need, and God, give us the endurance. God, I pray for all that are hearers today, Lord, that they would listen to the Word of God. God, that you'd bring a conviction upon their heart. God, I pray, Lord, you bring a comfort, dear God, in their lives. God, use the Word of God today, God, to, to form and to frame. And God, to change and God, to make and to build and to mold. And Father, these that are here today, thank you for the gathering of those today, God. I pray you touch the lost. Pray, God, that you speak to the saved. Have your way today in our hearts. I pray we'll give you glory for whatever takes place in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. And so here in this verse here, we find uh, uh, some words that are repeated after each other. We find, that, we find that the word burnt offering, burnt offering. 
is mentioned here. And so uh, what does the burnt offering have to do with us this morning? Uh, well, really not much, but yet it has a, some meaning to it. And so I don't know if anybody in this room could explain a burnt offering. And you say, well, somebody ask you, what is a burnt offering? Uh, I don't believe many Christians today talk in those terms. I, I don't believe many a times we even talk about a burnt offering since we have no temple and since we don't have no altar, the brazen altar, and since we don't have priests anymore that uh, take those animals and began to put that animal on that altar, began to burn that animal for the sacrifice and uh, being a burnt offering. But this morning, uh, letting you know what a burnt offering is, and it's this. It's a complete destruction or consumption of the animal except for the hide except for the skin. And so the very consuming of the whole animal, uh, except for the skin or the hide, and it would be burned up. It's called the burnt offering. And so whenever you put that animal on there, uh, on that altar, and that fire begins to burn that altar, it will burn all of it. It's a total consumption of that uh, sacrifice. Uh, now, why is there a burnt offering in this day? Well, it is because the slaying of an animal was to draw you closer to God so that there could be a renewing of the relationship between a sinful man and a holy God. And this is the way God has set it up from the beginning in Genesis. It's always been an animal. It's always been the shedding of the blood of an animal. There's a burnt offering involved. There's an altar involved. And it is drawing sinful men unto a holy God. Now we find that to be interesting this morning because there are some similarities that we have and that is we're all sinful men. We're all sinful people. And we all know that God is holy. And if you're going to go to heaven and you're going to have eternal life, you're going to have to get to God. And the only way to get to a holy God by sinful men is going to be because of a burnt offering. And that's the way God set it up. And that's the way God has still has it today. Now, how does the burnt offering work? Well, here's how it works. The sinful men, the sinful women, boys and girls, uh, they want to renew or they want to have a relationship with a holy God. They're going to have to come to the place that they realize and understand that they're sinful. And understand that they cannot get to God except there be a death of an animal. And that's the way God set it up. And so we don't have an argument here this morning. You say, well, I just don't like the way God has set up for me to get to God. Well, you don't have no choice in the matter. You say, well, I don't appreciate that there has to be a dead animal involved. I'm part of the animal rights. Well, you, you don't have any word in that either. Uh, you say, well, how come I just can't get to God in my own behalf? Because you're not God. And so God has made choice and God has made rules and God has made decisions and choices of how you and I, how all the world from the very beginning will ever come as a sinful man to a holy God. And it is by this way of a burnt offering. And so the Israelites who realized and recognized that they were sinful men and they want to get have a relationship and with a faithful God and a holy God, they would bring a bull, they would bring a goat, uh, they would bring a uh, uh, sheep, but the sheep and goat or bull would have to be without blemish. It would have to be without defect, and it also has to be a male. 
And so a male must be without defect, without blemish, without spot, without anything or anything that might look on that animal. And, of course, the priest's job and responsibility was to take that sacrifice, take that bull, take that goat, and to begin to look at it, to examine it, to make sure that there's no defects on it, make sure there's no uh, any scars or anything that would be called uh, that this would be a blemish or defect and to kick it out and it wouldn't be part of this sacrifice. Now, at that point, uh, once, the, once the priest would take that animal and inspect it and it has no defects and it's a male and it meets all the criteria of God, he would begin to kill that animal in front of the tabernacle. He would take that animal and uh, slit its throat and drain the blood and all the blood of that animal was coming out of the animal. And so now the animal's blood is, is done. The priest would take that part of that blood and sprinkle it on the altar uh, so that it would be upon the altar or around the altar. And then all the intestines and the legs and, and all the parts would be washed thoroughly, all cleaned up, all, all the blood is away and all the blood is out. It's cleaned up and as much as can be cleaned up. And then the, pri the priest would take that, uh, uh, that animal that has been cut into pieces and without blood, and he began to lay it upon that altar, lay it upon the altar so that this altar would begin to, uh, to do the burning. And now the, the priest would burn these pieces all night long. And as they was burning, there would be a smell or a smoke that would be ascending up off the altar. And that, snow, that smell would go forth unto God, and you'll find that God would be very pleased with that, and God would be very satisfied with that. Uh, none of this burnt offering was given to man. And so what it comes to essentially for the Israelites, and even for us today in the way of salvation, is that when you come and you lay that sacrifice, or you give that sacrifice, that animal to that priest, what you're saying to God is this, is God, is I am giving you an offering. I am sacrificing to you everything. I'm not getting anything. I don't want anything back. I just want this whole offering to be, to be consumed and want it to be uh, destroyed because of my sin. Because my sin requires this. And God, I'm giving it to you and as I give it to you, I don't expect anything back but just forgiveness of my sin. And so that's what this burnt offering is all about. So how, why, and what? The sacrifice was given uh, as the knowledge of sin. So whenever an Israelite would bring this animal to the priest, what that Israelite saying to God is, I acknowledge my sin nature. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I acknowledge that I'm very, I'm a very uh, disturbed and a, a very person who has a lot of things about me that are just wrong and incorrect, and and there is just a lot of things that are just uh, evil about me, and and I acknowledge that God, and so I bring this animal, and while this animal was being burned, it was a request from the giver of the animal to God. Let's renew our relationship. Let's renew it. Let's come together. Let's be reconciled. Lord, I, I need redemption. 
Because, man, I tell you, my life is a mess. I'm full of wickedness and sinfulness and evil. I, I do things that are ungodly. My life is a total mess. And I need to offer this animal a male without blemish and defect so that I and you can have a relationship. And so that's the whole mindset of this burnt offering. Now, let's talk about this morning after understanding that. Then we come to a place of the importance of the fire. Because this morning, without the fire, you couldn't do anything. There would be absolutely no consuming of the sacrifice that could renew or restore a relationship with God in sinful men. You couldn't do it without the fire. You can have the priest. You can have the animal. You can have the altar. You can have the temple. You can have the people. But no fire. There is no, there is absolutely no way of renewing a relationship with God. So the vitality of this is, is the fire. Now, I want to say the importance of the fire, as we read here in verse, in verse 9, it says uh, there in the last portion, and the fire of the altar. Verse 10 says, which the fire hath consumed. Verse 12, and the fire upon the altar. Verse 13, the fire shall ever uh, be burning and so you notice in the four of the five verses is the word fire and so we see the importance of the fire and so there's a fire let me say this there's a fire of his punishment if you remind yourself there's so many ways I'm not going to give you all of them but if you can remind yourself of Sodom and Gomorrah you remember that in Sodom and Gomorrah whenever there the Bible says in Genesis chapter 19 verse 24 it says fire from the Lord out of heaven. And so where did that fire come that came down to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? It was a fire out of heaven. And so when that fire showed up at, down there in Sodom and Gomorrah, what did it show? It showed the punishment of God. We find the fire also at the end of time. When the fire of heaven is going to come down and consume the whole world. We know that when you, get, when you get cast into the lake of fire, that word fire is theos, it's God. There's punishment with fire, amen? And so we find as this fire of punishment, but number two, there's the fire of his power. Do you remember in 1 Kings chapter 18 with Elijah, when Elijah was dealing with the, the, the worshipers of Baal, and as Baal worshipers were there, he said, I tell you what, we're going to determine who God is this day. And you build up your altar, I build up my altar. You call for your God to come by fire, and I call my God to come by fire. If you remember the story, Elijah was making fun of him. Where is your God? Is he on vacation? Is he resting? Is he sleeping? Where is he at? There ain't no fire coming down from heaven with your God. And then next thing you know, God prayed unto our God. And the Bible says in, in, in King, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 38, Then the fire of the Lord fell. So this was the fire of his power, showing that the power of God, where there's fire, there's power. Where there's fire, there's punishment. Amen. Thirdly, I notice there's a fire of his presence. 
You remember 2 Chronicles chapter 7 after the temple was made and prepared and Solomon began to pray unto the Lord. And next thing you know, the Bible says that fire came down from heaven. Where did fire come from? Come down from heaven. And what did it come that day? It didn't come to the temple of Solomon to punish it. It didn't come down to show its power. It came down to show his presence. Amen. You remember that temple that was filled with, that came down with that fire. The Bible said it glory filled the temple. And so we find his presence there. And it was that fire. And so there is a fire of his punishment, a fire of his power, a fire of his presence. But then we notice thirdly, there's the fire of his provision. And this is the fire of his provision here on the altar with this burnt offering. We find, if you look in Leviticus chapter 9, a few chapters over, and look there about verse 24, the Bible says, And there came a fire out from before the Lord, and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and the fat. I could say to you, friend, that that's the fire that we're talking about for the burnt offering in chapter 6. That that was the fire that came down from God. It wasn't that the fire they used to do the burnt offering was a fire they took two matches or they took two something and rubbed them together and threw some kerosene or some oil or, or some gasoline and, and they lit that fire just like you would do your barbecue pit or a fire out in the woods and you do everything you can. Use paper, use cardboard, use limbs, use this use that get that started and all that that's not what happened on this burnt altar here it's more serious than that see it's a relationship between sinful man and a holy God and do you think God would allow man to start that fire no it's a fire that came down from heaven and they came down and it lit that fire and as that fire of the brazen altar was lit from God from heaven then we find that there was an animal placed upon that altar and then that fire that fire from God began to consume that animal because that animal had to be consumed in order for the sins to be covered for a whole year for the Israelites so we know that this fire that came upon that altar friend is a fire of provision he's providing salvation He's providing a covering. He's providing forgiveness. Now, without that fire this morning, there would be no presence of God for forgiveness. In that fire of that altar, again, you can have the priest, you can have the temple, you can have the altar, you can have the sacrifice, but if there's no fire, there's no presence of God. And so it would not work. It cannot work, and it will never work. God's fire must be there. Rather, his presence must be there. Number two, if it, if then to, if it wouldn't be God's provision for God, there would be no forgiveness. If the fire wasn't there, then there would be no provision of God. You see, if, there, if you can build your own fire to consume your own sacrifice, it would be your salvation. But it was God that had provided the fire, and so without no provision... Friend, there's no forgiveness. Without no presence of God, there's no forgiveness. Without, friend, uh, without the people, there's no forgiveness. Because if you had no fire, that means you'd have no people of God. You have no people of God because there's no presence of God and there's no provision of God. 
And so without the fire, we're talking about the necessary one item that we need in order for us to be Christian. And that's the fire. The fire. Do you have the fire? The fire. The importance of the fire. No fire, no salvation. No fire, no redemption. No fire, no reconciliation. None. God is the fire. And friend, we find that he said that he is a consuming fire. God is the fire because he starts the fire. Not only does he start the fire, but he sends the fire. Not only does he send the fire, but he supplies the fire. How important is the fire? I wonder how many of us already have been praying, God, give me the fire. How many of us, oh, God, help me with the fire? I mean, we're going into this morning, and many times we skip over Sunday morning to get to Monday. Like this right here is just in the way. Like Sunday's in the way for Monday. This preaching hour is in the way for that preaching hour. We're getting ready for Brother Mark and Brother Gary. Brother Larry, get out of the way. And many times we overlook this Sunday, right, because we're trying to get to Monday. But I say to you, I'm sorry that I'm in the way. But anyway, I'm in the way. And so being in the way, the importance of the fire is so important that we can't just overlook it this morning. For if the fire don't come now, the fire won't come tomorrow. We need the fire today. We need the fire tomorrow. And Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And when we leave out of the camp or we leave out of the tent on that Friday evening, we want to come back to church on Sunday morning full of fire. Amen. That's what we want. That's what I want. I want to burn for God. I want to be like John the Baptist, a burning for God, a man that burns and lives for God. I want to be as it was in the road of Emmaus whenever Jesus was speaking to the two. He said, boy, wasn't it when Jesus was talking to us that it burned within us to hear the voice and the word of God. That's what I want this morning. I'm sick and tired of the dull. I'm sick and tired of the dark. I'm sick and tired this morning of just going in the way of, of every day in a ritual, in a rut. It just seems like you're just going in the way of just because you do what you do, because you do what you do, and you do what you do. I'm tired of doing what you do, what you do. I'm tired of just going on every day the way it is, same after same and same and same. Oh, God, give us something different. Oh, God, breathe upon us. And oh, God, look upon us that we may be different than all around us. Fire. And so we find this morning, Maybe some of fire may touch you. I know when I burn myself, it, it wakens me. I know when I get a little flame, on, just a little flame on the finger or maybe an arm or something like that. I mean, listen, you pay much attention. Oh, I ask for God's fire to come down and just touch you just a little bit, just a little reviving, and maybe it burns so much that you wake up. You become alert that your sin won't be so sinful. And you, the ways of your life is knowledgeable. Everybody else sees how rude you are and how inconsiderate you are and how disobedient you are and how rebellious you are. And everybody else sees your attitude and how pushy and selfish you are. But you don't see yourself at all. Oh, may the fire of God wake you up enough that you may see you who you are. God help us today. Say, brother, I hope this shows you too. I hope he shows me too. 
Number two, not only do I notice the importance of the fire, but I notice the instruction for the fire. In Leviticus chapter 6, 9 through 12, I, I notice the sacrifice in the fire. So there's an instruction this morning uh, as far as for the fire. Now God started the fire, and God started a fire on purpose so that he could forgive men of their sins. But what's it going to take that's around the fire or in the fire or about the fire that is required of who God calls to do such a thing? Well, we notice in order for the fire to be as it ought to be, there's going to need a sacrifice in the fire. We see in order to renew the relationship with God to sinful man, there's going to have to be a sacrifice. We see that in the verse. The Bible says this is the law of the burnt offering. We see it again uh, there in the scripture, verse 10, with the burnt offering. Uh, we see it again there in verse 12, the burnt offering. And so we notice today that there's going to have to be a sacrifice uh, for the fire in order for the fire to do his work. That sacrifice, I could say it like this, no sacrifice, no salvation. No sacrifice, no redemption. No sacrifice, no reconciliation. Fred, if you're not going to lay anything of an animal, of a pure without defect, uh, Fred, there will be no salvation, no renewing for you. If you're not willing to take something, not willing to lay something upon that altar uh, that God has brought forth as way of a criteria, you have met the requirements, you have done what God asked you to do, and you lay down that sacrifice, Fred, there be no salvation with no sacrifice. Notice that right here. No burnt offering, there be none. We find number two, the sacrifice is a must for the fire. Number two, the priest to the fire. Now the priests are the ones, according to the scriptures, we read them already, they prepare uh, the sacrifice, right? They bring the sacrifice alive. They bring it to him as they look at it, as they examine it. And once they look upon it and say it's good, uh, then they prepare it by the way of taking the throat or cutting the throat, bleeding the animal, and then begin to pit, cut them up in pieces. And then they lay it upon the, the altar for the sacrifice. And then the priests are ones who put the fire, wood, to the fire. And so those who are worshipers, uh, they just come in to get right with God. They're just coming to have a relationship with God. But on the other side, the priest is the one who's taking that animal, is putting it upon the altar, preparing that animal, putting it upon the altar, and then he's putting wood to the fire. So the fire would keep burning. And we find that the priests are the ones who removes the ashes. You'll read that through there. We're not going to read it this morning, but we read it many times. He removes the ashes. Anybody? Now, I'm not a fire guy. You know, some of y'all guys, y'all like to cook, you know, and, and I'm not a cooker either. I'm an eater. But I, a fire, I'm not a fire guy either. I mean, I, I just don't uh, go around picking up sticks and, and doing all that kind of stuff. Now, I love fires. I love sitting around fires. I hope one day that me, you and I all can sit around a fire someplace and, and uh, eat some marshmallows. Well, the other day I was sitting by a fire, and they had a marshmallow with chocolate and graham cracker. What was that called? Yeah, boy, I love that word. I never had one before. Man, I liked it a whole lot, you know. 
but anyway, I, I could do that again. And, uh, but to build that fire, to keep that fire, and one thing I don't, I don't why I don't grill, because I can't keep a fire going in the grill. I got to buy the bag where you light the bag, right? Light it up or whatever it's called, and it's got that stuff in already, so you just light it, and you go, yeah, I do a real good job with that. But, man, if I got to maintain it and I got to fix it and do all that kind of stuff, forget it. Forget it. I'm just going to go, I go somewhere else and get it somewhere else. But if you don't remove the ashes, from what I understand, that fire can't keep on burning. So it is the priest, not the worshiper, to take the ashes and move them out. Right? And so, so you find, as you see already, again, the message is a priest wanted. <laughs> There's a work involved here. I mean, here's the worshiper. The worshiper says, I want to have a relationship with God. And God says, I must bring a sheep or a goat or a bull with, and without no effect. It's a male. And just give it to the priest. And uh, what I'm saying then is, Lord, I'm acknowledging my sin. I'm acknowledging that I have to come your way. And coming your way, I can have forgiveness of sins. And I've done that. And so, Lord, I'm thankful that you give me the opportunity and privilege to do so. But once it's given to the priest... It's on. I mean, it's, it's, it's work. It's taking that animal and preparing it and then cutting it up, putting it on the altar, and then doing that all day long. Because we remember now that that burnt offering has to be consumed completely. You can't have just one little leg or one little whatever. It's all got to be gone. So that priest has got to continue to feed uh, that altar with that wood. And he's got to continue to remove those ashes constantly. Feed wood, remove ashes. How long? Until that burnt offering is completely burned. Amen? And so we find uh, that this priest keeps the fire burning. So, the, <coughs> so you could say this this morning, that the priest is a must to the fire. No priest... No salvation, no priest, no redemption, no priest, no reconciliation, no burnt offering, no sacrifice, no salvation. So these are very important parts to the fire. Even though the fire is the main, these parts are important. But then thirdly, I notice the smoke of the fire, the smoke of the fire. The Bible says of a, of a sweet Savior smell of a sacrifice for sin is sweet to God. Genesis chapter 8 and verse 20. Turn there with me. Keep your hand in Leviticus there though. Genesis chapter 8 and look there in verse 20. The Bible says here in the scripture says, And Noah built an altar unto the Lord and took of every clean beast and every fowl, clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Verse 21. And the Lord smelled a sweet Savior. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. And so we find that as God acknowledges, God recognizes, God don't just ignore uh, that this burnt offering is being burnt, that that animal which he created is now in substitution for man who he created. The animal that did nothing of sin, that did nothing of evil, is the one who's going to have to die. He's going to have to be the substitute for the one who's done the evil and has done the wrong. Matter of fact, I failed to, failed to tell you a while ago, but when you bring that animal up to the sacrifice in order for you to have a relationship with God, while the priest is killing that animal, you've got to have your hand on top of that animal, on top of the head of the animal, so that you can say that it's dying for me. 
All right? Add that to your notes. Got to have the hand on top of the head of the animal. So there is a direct connection between the two. That this animal is dying for me. In Leviticus chapter 1 in verse 9. Bible says, but his inwards and his legs shall he wash in water, and the priest shall burn all on the altar to be a burnt sacrifice and an offering made by fire of a sweet Savior unto the Lord. It says that all through the Scripture. You can look it up in the Old Testament. It says that time after time, a sweet Savior, a sweet Savior. God smelled a sweet Savior. So as that burnt offering that is brought by the one who wants a relationship with God and wants to have forgiveness of sin as that burnt offering is being burnt there, uh, as that smoke is arising, the Lord God with his nostrils is going, that's sweet. That's sweet. Oh, that worshiper now can have his sins forgiven. That's sweet. You see, God, this morning, when you get your sins forgiven, he says, that's sweet. That's sweet. All day long, it goes forth. So I could say it like this this morning, no smoke, no salvation. No smoke, no redemption. No smoke, no reconciliation. No priest, no salvation. No burnt offering or sacrifice, no salvation. Can I show here thirdly this, this, this morning? And lastly, the energy of the fire. What is the image? What are we trying to say? What is it that this Leviticus chapter 6 can have anything possible to do with us? Well, number one, this burnt offering imagery of is Jesus. Every day. That this priest would take that animal and put it upon that altar and burn that altar and burn that burn offering on that altar. They were saying to the people that this is a burnt offering and it's going to represent Jesus. For someday, one day, there's going to be a final sacrifice. And every day they went through there, it was representing Jesus, the final, the final one, the final sacrifice that will bring forth the forgiveness of sins for all of eternity. You see, because the children of Israel had to go, the high priest went into the Holy of Holies once a year and to make this atonement and their sins were covered for the year. Then every day they would come and bring animals to bring forth this renewing of relationship with God. And it went on and on and on and on every day, every day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And we find that it was Jesus who is the fire. It was Jesus who is the sacrifice. He's the Lamb of God without blemish, without sin. And it was Jesus who was the high priest. It was Jesus that took of himself. And laid himself upon the altar. And it was Jesus who took the fire. And began to burn. And consume. And destroy. So that you and I can have forgiveness of sin. It was Jesus. 
And all the years from that time of Leviticus and Genesis and all the way to 2022, again, Jesus is the burnt offering upon the brazen altar that brings forgiveness to the whole world for all of eternity. Him being the fire, the sacrifice, the high priest. Wow, what a beautiful sight. But I want you to see this morning, not only is it Jesus Christ, but it's the Christian. It's the Christian. The only difference here this morning is the fire is God. Christ is the fire. We'll never be the fire. We'll never be little gods. We'll never be big gods. We'll never be a God at all. There's only one God. And beside him, there's none other. But he is the fire. But in the fire of a Christian, there's going to have to be a sacrifice. Romans chapter 12, turn there with me. Romans chapter 12, and everybody knows the scripture, but I, I want to bring it to our attention this morning. Romans chapter 12. I want you to look in verse 1 with me this morning. This is going to be the Christian. Now, what I'm about to identify, the next three or four points, is if you're a Christian, you'll say, that's me. If you are one that's in the fire, that's God, I'm in God, I'm in Christ, then you'll say, that, that, that describes me, Brother Larry, that's exactly who I am. So, in the fire, there will be a, a sacrifice. The Bible says in Romans 12, 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, talking to Christians there, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So here is a sacrifice. You are a living sacrifice. Being a living sacrifice this morning, uh, you are a sacrifice uh, that is on the fire. Now this morning, could you relate to that and say, I am a living sacrifice. I'm not to die for Jesus. I am to live for Jesus. I am not to go away for Jesus. I am to live for Jesus. I am not to do nothing for Jesus. I am to live for Jesus. I am a living sacrifice. I am one who's in the fire of God. And it's God that's burning me every single day. It's God that's consuming me every single day. It is God that's bringing forth the, the burning of me every day. I'm a living sacrifice. But number two, not you're a living sacrifice. But are, the question is this, are you a holy sacrifice? A holy sacrifice, it says in verse 12, holy a living sacrifice, a holy sacrifice. Are you holy this morning? Are you right with God this morning? Are you pure with God this morning? Are you clean with God this morning? Are you separated from the world and dedicated to God? Are you serious and sober about the things of God? Are you really this morning a living sacrifice that's holy unto God? And holy sacrifice, that's what's in the burning fire of God. There are none unholy sacrifices in the fire of God. There is no dead sacrifices in the whole in the fire of God. They're living sacrifices. They're holy sacrifices. And thirdly, they're acceptable sacrifices. Acceptable. Are you an acceptable one? Are you living an acceptable life? 
If you had to stand before God this morning and you had to give an account of your life and you had to tell him exactly right now what you're doing today, tomorrow, and yesterday, and would you be able to say, Lord, I've been acceptable before you. I've done what you asked me to do. I've been what you asked me to be in. I go where you want me to go, and I do what you want me to do. I am acceptable for you. Would that be the case? This morning there's a fire, and it's God, but there has to be a sacrifice. For that fire to do its purpose. Are you the sacrifice this morning? If you're a Christian, you are. In other words, what I just described is in your heart. It's your desire. It's what you want in your life. I want to be a living sacrifice, a holy sacrifice. I want to be an acceptable sacrifice. I want God to burn me. I want God to be what he wants me to be in his life. But I noticed, now is there a sacrifice this morning? But I noticed in order for us, for this redemption, this renewing, there's going to have to be a sacrifice, but there has to be a priest. You see, you, you can't take a sacrifice and, and just put it on the fire of God. You can't do that. See, no worshiper ever came to the altar and said, Move out of the way, priest. I do this myself. Did you find that in the scripture? No. Oh, no. You've got to come to that praise and say, here, here's my living sacrifice. And then a priest takes it. In the Christian life, you've got to have a priest. Well, according to Revelation chapter 5, verse 9, it says God has made us priests. The Bible says in First Peter chapter 2, I believe it is, and there in verse 9, it says that we're a royal priesthood. So what you're saying, Brother Larry, I'm saying this morning uh, that you are the priest. And it's going to be you that will bring to God and lay on the fire of God the sacrifice. I can't do that for you. Your parents can't do that for you. Your grandparents can't do that for you. All those in the church who love you and care for you can't do that for you. Your pastor can't do that for you. You've got to be the priest that God's called you to be, and you are if you're saved this morning, and then you're going to take the sacrifice, the living, holy, acceptable sacrifice, and you're going to lay it out before God in the fire of God. Yeah. Is this making sense, or does this bring confusion? God hears so when we understand who the priest is and who the sacrifice is, we come to what is the ultimate service for the priest? The ultimate. He has a lot of things to do, but what is the ultimate one? Well, the first thing I notice is do not put out the fire. You see that back in Leviticus chapter 6? Look at verse 12. This is the supreme responsibility of the priest. And this morning, if you're a Christian, then you're a priest. And being a priest, you're going to sacrifice the living sacrifice, the holy acceptable. And being a priest, one of the ultimate or the ultimate service that you have according to God, there in this Leviticus chapter 6 and verse 12. 
He says very clearly and very plainly this morning, if they're in verse 12, and the fire upon the altar shall be burning in it, it shall not be put out. Now that is your main responsibility as a priest. Do not put out the fire. Do not. The day you got saved, the day the Holy Spirit of God indwelt you, the day the fire indwelt you, the day you got saved, the day was you in, no, you're baptized by the Holy Ghost of God, but baptized with fire. The day that you got born again was the day that you was born again of incorruptible seed, which is the Word of God, and the Word of God is fire. And now you have the Word of God that birthed you. you got the Spirit of God that birthed you, and you find that it's with fire. Don't put out the fire. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and there in uh, about, about verse 19, quench not the Spirit. The Spirit is the fire. Your responsibility as the priest, don't quench it. Don't get in the way. Stay out of the way of the fire. Don't quench the fire. Don't quench the Spirit. The Bible is saying the God or the Spirit that dwells in you is a believer is a fire. That word, that word quench is a fire term. It means extinguish. So when there's a fire, we get extinguisher. And we put it upon the fire. God is saying to us that are priests concerning our altar, the holy place of the altar is our heart. And where God is dwelling and the fire is where God is at. His presence, His power, and His passion. You'll find that within that, the don't, let, don't, don't put the fire out. Don't extinguish it. Don't quench it. Amen. I, you say, well, brother, is that, is that some option for me? No. There's no option in this matter. Do not put out the fire. Period. Don't. Extinguish it. Quench the spirit this morning. That word, that word there uh, means, quench means, not only to extinguish the fire, but don't cool off the fire. That, when he says quench not the spirit, it means don't cool off the spirit. That hot spirit within you, that hot zeal of God in you, uh, that passion within you, uh, that presence of God in you, uh, that power in you. I mean, that excitement about you, about listening and learning and loving and living for God. Man, do not put the fire out. Don't quench it. Don't cool it off. Don't extinguish it today. And then the third word means don't lose the heat of the fire. And this morning, I wonder how many of us have lost our heat. I wonder how many of us this morning says, I'm just barely going. My light is dim. My heat is warm now. At one time, it was hot and hotter. And, but now it's done got warm. And maybe, matter of fact, it's maybe just like lukewarm today. Really, I don't care whether there's a meeting next week or not. I'm not really concerned at all about that. I'm just trying to get through this day. 
And I can't promise you next week. I can't be committed to that. I can't tell you if I'm going to come. I can't tell you if I'm going to give to the meeting. I'm not going to tell you I'm going to pray for it. I'm not going to tell you that I hope whoever comes does well and all things go well. I can't even say that I'm praying that somebody gets saved. I'm going to say, listen, I haven't prayed that nobody gets right with God. I haven't prayed that the preachers would come in and revival would fall and fire would fall from heaven. I don't care about all that. I'm not concerned about all that. I'm just worried about my children and my bank account and my job and my health in my home and everything else and just go to pot right that's the mindset of many of y'all y'all won't say it you ain't got the guts to say it you ain't got the, you ain't got the strength to say it you won't let nobody know that but you know who knows that God knows that and you think Fred you're going to get away from God that God shall not be mocked this morning I'm asking you this morning, has your fire been cooled off a little bit? You say, well, I'll tell you why, brother. Because the preaching of God's word just isn't doing it for me. The Bible says you're the priest. Don't let your fire go out. It ain't the preaching. You say, well, you don't know my spouse. You ever have lived with a spouse like this? You can't serve God either. I mean, I walk in the house and it's quenched immediately. And I'm not around the house. My fire's high. But when I get in the house, it's very low. You're the priest. It's not your spouse. But you don't know my children. My children are real stubborn. They're real tough, man. I mean, every day we got to deal with something. They just don't want to do right. They don't care about doing right. They don't care about God. They don't care about right. They don't care. They just care about themselves. They just want to do what they want to do when they want to do it. They hate me. They don't like me. They don't want me around. They want to kick me out of the house. Listen, friend, when I come home, everybody scatters. But to you kiddos, you're the priest if you're a Christian. None of that matters. And we can just say a whole list of things this morning. And you can point fingers at everybody in all the world of why your fire is going out. But you're accountable. You're the priest. Amen? God, make me accountable. If you say you're a Christian, you say you pray to prayer and that's Jesus into your heart, and you say that you got baptized by the Holy Ghost of God and the Father and the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and you say that Jesus lives in your heart, and you say you're going to heaven when you die, if you say those things, you ought to be concerned about the fire that's in you. If you ain't got no concern about that, then you have no fire in you, and you've been deceived. And all you've done is mock God. All I can say this morning is this, is that we're the priest. We're the sacrifice. And he said, don't let or don't put out the fire. And then he says here, secondly, look in verse 13. No, he just says, he don't say, he says, do not put out the fire. But in 13, he says, don't let the fire go out. In other words, you don't put out the fire. And then he says, don't let the fire go out, even if somebody's trying to put it out. You don't let it go out. You don't be the responsible one to put it out, and then you don't let anyone else put it out. That's what it's saying. Whose responsibility is for the fire to burn? The worshiper or the priest? The priest. And who gave the job to the priest? God. And he said to the priest, Do not put out the fire. Verse 12. But in verse 13, he says, don't let the fire go out. Wow. Wow. 
So what do we do this morning? Well, I'll tell you how you don't let the fire go out. It's every day you've got to put wood to the fire. Every day is just not getting up, eating your Cheerios, and putting up all your new clothes you got, and going down to work and school, and do your thing and come on back and put your Astros jersey on, and they're 3-0 and in this playoffs, and get your popcorn out and say, boy, we're going to have a good route here. We're going to go to the World Series. Get your paycheck, get your bills paid. Go eat at Papa Cedars. Enjoy, enjoy a little this, that, and the other. And you call it, man, I got life. It's, I got it made. God's been so good to me. That's pretty much how it works in these days. But, friend, if your fire is not going to go out, you're going to have to put some wood to it. It's going to take work for you. You know, living this Christian life is just not worrying about your money. You know, living this Christian life is not all concerned about who you are and what you are. Living this Christian life isn't all just raising children and having a wife and having a husband and driving a car and cutting the grass. You know, living a Christian life has really nothing to do with any of that. Living the Christian life has to be don't put the fire out and don't let the fire go out. You see, living the Christian life, all those other things are just blessings of God that could be cursings. All the blessings of God that you and I have this morning, they could be in the way of the fire. We want to say, God, thank you for everything. Thank you for all things. We live a good life. We're in a good country. We got a good thing. We got a good thing going. Thank you, Lord. But where is the fire and is it burning? That's the question. You may be rich. And you may be wealthy. And you may be healthy. And you might got everything that you want. He might be one happy little lark. But how about the fire? See, when it's all said and done, it's not going to be about what you have and what you've done and what you got. It's going to be what you did with the fire. When you stand before God, every man should give an account of himself before God, and the account you're going to give is the fire. He said to you as the priest, don't let the fire go out. How do I do that, Lord? You got to put wood. Wood on the fire. Well, what, what, what could be some things that wood could be? Well, how about talking to God? How, that, 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 that's wood that can go on the fire, right? He's the fire and just talk to God. That's called prayer. Pray. That's putting wood on the fire. Man, when you get to talking to God, you start throwing, you start laying some of those wood on the fire, you're going to find your fire going to get brighter and a little hotter. Just begin to tell God, begin to explain to God, begin to be intercessor for one another, begin to just ask for requests and petitions before God, praising and honoring and lifting and adoring Him. I'm going to tell you something, friend. Your fire will get a little fiery. Talk a little bit to, to God. But not only just talking to God is a wood by the way of prayer this morning. But talking to God is a good way. But there's another way. And that is this morning listening to God. That's another piece of wood that will go on that fire. How do you listen to God? By reading your Bible. Reading your Bible, listening to God. Coming to church and hearing the preaching of God's word. Listening to God. 
When's the last time you read your Bible? You're not worried about your fire. When's the last time that you took a passage of Scripture and you actually read that passage and you concentrated on it and you began to meditate upon it and you began to ask God to take that passage of Scripture, one verse, two verses, three verses, and God, you do a work in my heart with this word. When's the last time you did that? Or you just read the proverb of the day. And you, you got to read it at the last minute because everybody's ready. Everything's to go. The car's even starting. The air conditioning's on. And you're reading it on the way out. Or if we get real slick and we can do this, we can get on our phones and get on our phones and pull up the, the proverb of the day, uh, Proverbs chapter 23 today, and he will say it on the radio or wait, say it on your phone out loud. As we're driving. Yeah. Man, there's all kind of ways today to get this Bible reading in. If you just don't have time. If you're just busy. And I know you've got a lot of hats to wear. And I know you've got a lot of things to do. I know you've got a lot of places to go. And I, I know that the 24-hour period is so full-packed that I can't listen to God. And you wonder why? We're running on low fumes. Wonder why our fire is just about out. Wonder why. Well, because you're not listening to God. We have church services on Sunday night. You don't come back. We have services services on Wednesday night. You don't come back. What's wrong with that? You don't like God's word. You don't like putting fire on your. You don't like putting wood on your fire. I, I don't get it, man. And when I got saved, and I know I'm different than anybody else here, but not salvation. But not only did I get in church, but church got in me. And man, every time the doors were open, every time the preaching was on, I was there. I, I quit jobs over that. Man, I, 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 I stopped overtime. I did whatever I could to come to the house of God, to hear the word of God, so that I can get my firewood burning. It's not like that anymore. I'm talking 20 years ago, 25 years ago. What's changed? God hasn't. We live in a world today where the fire is just not that important any longer. So the wood, priest, you got to put on the fire. Talking to God. Listening to God. Telling of God. Witnessing. That will build your fire. Telling of God. Telling somebody about God. Telling your friend, your neighbor, your family, witnessing, passing a track, ask them for the come to the church, ask them to come to the meek tent meeting, tell them about Jesus, tell them about what happened to you, tell them about God, tell them anything, just tell them about Jesus, amen? That, that's a firewood that'll go on your fire and burn. How about, how about fellowship, living for God, fellowshipping with God's people, being around people that are Christian? Listen, Fred, you want to be around people who are not Christian? I got a problem with you. You want to be around people who know not God? You got an issue. You want to be around people who don't speak of Jesus, who don't live Jesus, who don't have the Holy Ghost of God in them? Listen, you're going to become just like them. I don't care how saved you are today. You can't hang around lost people, and you can't be around lost people, and you can't want to be around lost people until you start having tendencies of those lost people. The Bible teaches that. 
You're going to come like them. You're going to talk like them. You're going to think like them. You're going to become in the philosophy of them. You're going to have the attitude of them. You've got behaviors of them, the context, the conduct of them. And you say, I'm saved. I'm born again, and Jesus loves me. But they don't love him, but y'all act the same. There's something wrong with that picture. I'm talking about putting wood on your fire. I'm talking about giving to God. Giving God in tithes. How many of y'all rob God? How many of y'all go to work? And you work hard. And you work long. And you give God or you give your work all that you got for that day. Maybe 8 hours, 6 hours, 10 hours, 12 hours, 14 hours. And you thank God maybe even for the job. Maybe when you're looking for a job, you ask somebody, would you pray for me that I get a job? And you get a job, and you got work, and you're working, and whomever you're servicing, you're servicing them well. And whomever you're working for, you're making them rich. And whomever uh, that you're doing that for, which is for you, uh, you're making yourself uh, have money to buy what you would want to buy. And then you rob God. Everybody's benefiting from you working but God. Where's your fire? Sorry. You can't talk about money. Can't talk about money. That really gets people upset. But isn't it true? Yeah. You want some wood to put on your fire? Talk to God, listen to God, tell of God, live for God, give to God. Oh, can I say here quickly, every day, not only to add wood to the fire, but every day remove the ashes from the fire. Remove the ashes. What are the ashes, brother? Well, you know, uh, what is burning is the sacrifice of the ashes, and, and the ashes are the wood. And so you got to remove it. So whatever is covering the fire, you got to move it. Whatever is lowering the fire, you got to remove it. Whatever is hindering the fire, you got to remove it. It might be people in your life. Kick them out because they're lowering your fire. They're the ashes. It's causing you not to get fire. Remove the people. Might be a boyfriend, it might be a friend. Might be a neighbor. It might be an old acquaintance. Get rid of them. If the fire means something to you, they're the ash that you got to remove. Now it may be people. It may be places. It may be the bars you go. It may be the people's houses you go. It may be places you used to go and you shouldn't go. But they're ashes, you need to remove them. It might be possessions. It might be a gun, it might be a bolt, it might be a diamond, it might be whatever it is today that, that these possessions is covering up your fire. God says remove the ashes. It might be practices. The practice in your life. How you're living, what you're doing. Remove it. It might be the past. The past is covering your fire. You just won't let the past go. You're holding on to the past. The past is so it's really sacred to you. The past is really, it really means a lot to you. And the past is really hurtful and shameful and all these other words you want to term it. But you just want to let it go. And God says, 
that's what forgiveness is all about. And really, you just won't forgive. So now your fires, Lord, because the past is haunting you. Can I say here thirdly, every day, change before the fire. Did you notice here this morning the priest in verse 10? Let's read this together and I'll close. And the priest shall put on his linen garment. Now, the garments that the priest wore when they made the sacrifice was high dollar. It was the highest of all linens. It was the highest in all materials. You weren't going to find a higher decked out priest in all of the world except the priest for God. And they were decked out, man. You can read that in Exodus, how, what they had to wear. But here the Bible says in verse 10, put on this, his linen and his linen breeches shall be put upon his flesh. And the reason why the, he, they talk about breeches here is because that they wouldn't go in naked. And they had to cover themselves up, especially the private areas of their life, of their bodies. That's why they put on these breeches. That's another message. And take up the ashes which the fire hath consumed with the burnt offering on the altar, and he shall put them beside the altar. So he had to take off his priestly garments, put on these other garments to take these ashes and put them out. Let's read in verse 11. And he shall put off his garments. So now he's got to take those garments off. He said, and put on other garments and carry forth the ashes without the camp of the clean place. And so here's how it works. He takes off his priestly garments that are fine and beautiful and, and very costly. He puts on these other garments. He goes and takes the ashes and put them next to the altar. And then he comes and changes again and comes to get those ashes and takes them to the clean. I said, what? I mean, what, what is really going on? And so he finds... In verse, verse 12, and the fire upon the altar shall be burning in it, shall not put it out, and the priest shall burn water every morning, lay burnt offering order of it, and shall burn there on the peace offerings. The point that I want to make is this, is you have to change. We that are priests, we are different than the rest. If you don't want to be different, don't be a Christian. If you want to be like everybody else today, don't become a Christian. You're different. You're called to be a priest. The church sees that the priest is saying holy. It gives the church help. When I see you changing with God, changing for God, changing in God, it just brings help to me. Right? The world sees you staying holy with God, and it gives them hope. Because the world looks at you and says, you changed five years ago. But today, you're still changed. There must be something about what happened to you that gives me hope. The Lord sees you staying holy, and it gives him honor. So the whole family and the whole friends and all those that are around you saw when you got saved and you became a priest. And how you've changed over the years. Not to be like them, but to be like God. And that brought honor to your God. I wonder this morning, priest or wanted, would anybody want to be one today? Let's stand to our feet, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I didn't get to this point, but I'll say it to you right now. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 
The Bible says that our lives as a Christian is a sweet Savior. In other words, when you're burning on the altar of God as a living sacrifice and your life comes up and it's ascended, read it. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And you're going to have aroma coming off as your life. It will be a Savior unto the dead or to the lost as death and unto the saved as life. You don't know this, church, but every day you live, there's a sweet-smelling Savior that comes from you. And to those that are lost, it's different to those that are saved. Oh, help us, Lord, to not put out our fire. Help us, Lord, not to put out your fire. You sing, Brother Jordan. Please, Lord. Come, dear sinner friend. You haven't been a living sacrifice yet. You haven't been a priest yet. The smoke of your life, the aroma of your life, the stench. You know it, I know it, God knows it. The aroma of your life just, it smells rebellion. It smells disobedience, stubbornness. It smells filth and dirt, worldliness, sinfulness. Won't you come and be changed this morning? Won't you come and be changed? Come on, dear sinner friend. How about you saved? You're saved. You know you're saved. Where's your fire at? Is it low? Is it barely burning? Maybe you need some help from the Lord. To God, help my fire. Brother George, you dismiss us this morning. We'll see you all back here at 6 o'clock this evening. Brother Robert be preaching. Will you pray for him? And uh, we'll just get kicked off here tonight for our tent meeting. You pray, brother.